Nice Macbeth reference. I'm well read. Wow, that was impressive. Hi, and welcome to episode of Center Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And here on Center Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. Now, I don't have time with me today, but we do have Amy Tippett Madrid back on the show. Amy, welcome back. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for joining us for our movie musical yeah, I'm month. So ex- I'm finally ready for this show. It's gonna it's gonna be great, and we're doing we're, we're talking about a period or or a movie at least. It's in a period of stuff that I know you love. Um, yes, and that's Di- and that's Disney. Um, so briefly before we dive into today's movie, um, recap on movie musicals because we're three or we're we're four episodes four. in now. No, you're four. Thank you. It's right? a five-week yeah, month, four. guys. Yeah, it's a, yeah, four in. Uh, so as I said, this month we're talking about movie musicals, and we talked about the history of the genre. We talked about the way music and songs are used uh, to move the story along in a movie musical. But most importantly, we talked about how music can reveal things about the character. We've also talked about how many of the movie musicals have been adaptations of original Broadway shows, specifically with the original West Side Story in 1961 and Sweeney Todd from 2007. Uh, We've also talked about jukebox musicals a little bit with films like Across the Universe. But today we're talking about a very important period of the movie musical genre, and that is the Disney Renaissance, which ran from 1989 with the release of Little Mermaid to 1999 with Tarzan. Uh, And after Disney Animation was going through a rut, things began to change when they brought in the lyricist and composer duo of Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, who had recently been successful off-Broadway with their hit musical Little Shop of Horrors. And Ashman kind of helped... Uh, Disney animation with combining story elements in their films that were coming from the musical theater world and Little Mermaid being the first. Um, And this kind of continued for the next decade. Disney continued to use that formula when creating their animated musicals. But today we're talking about one of those musicals, one of the films from the later part of that period, and that is Hercules, which was released in 1997. So, Amy, you went through our list of movie musicals. Yes. And and Hercules was, I think, your top choice or one of your top choices. uh, Yes. So why did you pick it? Okay, so I first of all, you sent me the list, and it was the first time that I had seen nearly every movie on your list, and I was so excited because I was like, I can pick anything, um, <laughs> and somehow came to Hercules, and I was like, this is my like, if I could honestly talk about anything, I would want to talk about Hercules, um, but I also loved like Sound of Music and Mary Poppins and like all of these other like ones, and then even some more like more obscure. But I just really loved Hercules because it brings me back to... It it is my number one most watched Disney film as an adult. It is the film I watch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if maybe you wouldn't have chosen it had you know this. Um, (laughs) I'm going to really try my hardest to be uh, unbiased. But yes, it is my... It's my favorite film, uh, Disney film as an adult. And so I was like, I know that one back and forth. I'm so excited about it. There's so much good stuff to talk about. Um, just know, having been on the show now a couple of times, I think that mm-hmm. I, I was excited because I could pick out things already. Um, I didn't have to try too hard. Does that sound bad? That sounds terrible. No. <laughs> No, but seriously, it is one of those things where like I actually do know this genre and I know this movie really well and um so I was excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's funny. Um I'll skip ahead a little bit with this, but like yeah, I I haven't watched this in at least a decade, if I had to guess. Wow. How sad for you. I'm so sad for you. 
I'm sorry. Uh, but I had I actually saw this in theaters when it first came out. So yeah. my my mom and I went to see it. I somehow remember this. My mom and I went to see this at Bama Six in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right. opening weekend, packed house. Bama. Uh, yeah, uh, Bama Six no longer there. Uh, How it was. Sad. It's where they. Sh- it's where they showed the horror films and the animated films. It was great. You had you had the where was horror fanatics. This was Bama Six was uh in that in the where the Toys R Us used to be. You know where the Toys R Us used to be, but was when we were there. Oh, it's maybe. Like the out, out, it's like it was, it's the outlet. Sorry for people who don't aren't from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, um, or never went there. It's the outlet where the Red Lobster is. Oh, <laughs> I do know Toys where the Red Us. Lobster is. Okay, okay. So it's like it's like Steinmart and like Pet yeah, Supply Plus. Yeah, it's getting very detailed. So in the very middle, <laughs> at the very like like the the right angle, the middle part the middle of part. that outlet. That was Bama Six. All right, Bama Six. I know exactly where to go now. Uh, but yeah, that's where I saw like <laughs> Oliver and Company there. Wow. I saw Toy Story. Oliver Company re-release. Uh, Toy was Story was there. I think Toy Story was there. I don't know if Toy Story Two was there. Uh, but then like Batman and Robin was there. But yeah, it was like it was just six theaters. But then like Scream and stuff was there. It was, like, that's where they played the kids' movies and the horror films. It was very odd, odd choice. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Um, <laughs> We're talking, we're talking about Hercules, uh, and Hercules is currently streaming on Disney Plus. If you guys have it, and just a brief refresher on the movie: uh, Hercules, the loose adaptation of the legendary Greek mythology hero and son of the mighty Zeus, king of the gods. And in this film, Hercules is born, uh, and the entirety or the entire, I guess, community of Mount Olympus celebrates his birth. And the only one that doesn't, however, is Hades, god of the underworld and brother to Zeus. And Hades is plotting to overthrow his brother Zeus, and he seeks the help of the fates, three deities that see the future and determine the lifespans of mortals. And the prophecy they, they predict is that uh, the fates believe that Hades will conquer Zeus in 18 years' time, as long as Hercules is not alive. So Hades tasks his two henchmen, Pain and Panic, to kidnap baby Hercules from his, from his cradle, and they give him potion that turns him mortal, and then they plan to kill him. That's what he wants him to do. Uh, the plan goes wrong, and baby Hercules does not lose all of his powers, and he's discovered by a married couple who are local farmers, and they take in Hercules as their own. Years later, Hercules grows up and seeks to find out who he truly is, and he soon realizes that he is a god and the son of Zeus. He is told that he will be a hero one day, but he needs training, and so he seeks out Phil, an old satyr, uh, who used to train the true heroes before they all died, uh, mass or yes. terrible deaths, horrible. Something deaths. always it was Achilles heel or or something that went wrong. Uh, Phil, uh, not wanting to bring back bad memories, d- declines originally, but then reluctantly agrees to train Hercules, and he successfully turns him into a physical specimen, uh, a hero. And now Hercules must prove to his father and the world that he is one true hero. Yeah. That's the plot of Hercules. And it's That's a great plot, of plot, isn't it? It's uh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll discuss that as we get into it. There are uh, no plot holes whatsoever. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I have I, <gasps> I have thoughts of that. Uh, cast and crew cast and crew intro real quick. The film stars Tate Donovan as Hercules with a singing voice from Roger Bart. Uh, Danny DeVito plays the grumpy satyr Phil. Uh, James Woods portrays the conniving Hades, the film's main antagonist, and Susan Egan portrays Meg. A woman that has been enslaved by Hades Yikes. to do his bidding Yikes. on Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's what's that's technically what she what she is. She she's also the love interest of Hercules. Uh, 
But I don't like just saying she's a love interest. I think Meg is way more than that. I think Meg is actually the most complex character in this movie. Don't skip ahead now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then crew intro real quick. The two main people that need to be introduced are John Musker and Ron Clements, the co-directors of the film. This would be the fourth film out of the seven films that the duo would direct for Disney during their careers there. And the film's music, like many of the movies at this time, was composed by Alan Menken with lyrics by David Sippel, who I don't... Yeah, he, he's done a few things. A, 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 a musical called City of Angels. Not, not as well-known as Alan Menken uh, has. So we talked about how we kind of first saw it and kind of our uh, history with this film. What were your kind of just brief thoughts when re-watching it this time? I think I was trying to watch it from more of a critical lens this time. And as much as I have joked about how much I love Hercules, I do recognize that there are, you know, a few, there are a few issues with it. But I think my initial thoughts about Hercules are that it's fun and that it is. That's fair. Yeah. Fun. And if not a little predictable, but definitely fun. Um, And it always, when I watch Hercules, it puts me in a better mood, which is part of the reason I think we that's part of the reason I enjoy films. You know what I mean? I don't always want to think too hard. (laughs) You know, sometimes I want to just enjoy myself and that's what Hercules does for me every single time. So that was kind of my initial thoughts. I was having a bad day yesterday. I watched Hercules. It made me feel better. And that's my initial thoughts on this movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, a, again, I haven't seen it in a decade and it is, it is very much a fun, fun film. Um, I do think there's a lot happening in this movie. Um, yes. But I, I think uh, it, it's interesting rewatching it now in, in kind of our current superhero world. Yes. Because it is very much a superhero film in a weird way. It's structured like it's like a, like an origin story for a superhero. I don't disagree at all. I know a couple things that I've, I've kind of like read online or watched online kind of compare it to like it's the 78 Superman uh, by Richard Donner. <laughs> Uh, or it's or it or it's kind of rocky. It it it, it is Superman. Like let's be real. <laughs> like, uh, I think Roger Ebert even said that in his review, and yeah, I agree he wholeheartedly. Did. This is Superman, <laughs> and uh, it is animated Superman. <laughs> and and that that will, that will come up again. By the way, I will, I will say that now. That will come up yeah. again in the kind of history of this house got made. But yeah, so it was interesting rewatching it and seeing like, oh, there's the origin story. There's kind of the train montage. There's kind of the hero's first battle when it's the it's the Hydra. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's a lot of different things. Also, too, I when watching it this time, I realized not a lot of music in it. Yeah, not not as much music as I remember. <laughs> yeah, there isn't as much music in it, but I do think the music is well done, and I think it's yeah. I, I think that's I agree. A big um highlight for me is the songs and the music and the way that they're structured i did kind of want to talk a little bit in first impressions about like the musical genre like just uh-huh. kind of how like i mean films have a natural kind of um cadence and rhythm and and there's kind of a there's a script to them and, and for for lack of better words where you know you have this beginning where the character is like you want to define their wants and their needs and then we present obstacles and conflict like you know that that we want to see them overcome and then we watch them overcome that um and then by the end of the movie we either watch them succeed or we fail 
Um, and I think mm-hmm. that Hercules for me really actually fits more in the musical beyond just the music. Like I think it really like it fits in that kind of um, you know just like the traditional kind of musical genre film more so I think than a lot of other Disney movies. Like I think it's a there's a very clear like we we clearly identify Herc's wants his needs. We present him with some obstacles and some conflict. We watch him overcome that and then we watch him be successful and. I think that Mm. that's kind of, um, you know, I think musicals in general tend to lend themselves to be a little bit more predictable than maybe like other films because, you know, and I think music kind of heightens these moments where like, hey, I'm going to sing about my wants and needs. Hey, I'm going to sing about the obstacles that are standing in my way. Hey, I'm going to sing about, you know, (laughs) like overcoming the bad guy. And so I think like, I think one of the things that Hercules does is I think it's a little bit more traditional in terms of like storytelling and in its, in its narrative. I think it, it definitely just hits those like major, you know, uh, things. So, yeah, it's yeah, the, the songs here. Like it, it's, it has a lot of songs that are good within a musical. Like it had, well, the big thing I said, it has less musicals, less songs in it, but they all hit very well and they all like follow the formula, but they aren't like, they aren't just like taking up space. Does that make right. sense? They're intentional and they're yeah, purposeful, yeah. They're but they still yeah, yeah. follow the formula. And I think that's kind yeah. of what, yeah. And you saying that like, there's not a ton of music. Like I totally agree. There's not, but I still yeah. think the music works to highlight kind of these like big, these big things, the kind of the formula of the story, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, I've talked about this. I was some of this with a friend yesterday of how, like when trying to determine a, a movie musical versus a musical with or a movie with music. Right, right. Is that if you take if you take the song out of the story, does the story still work? And I think with this one, if you take Go the Distance out of it, the movie doesn't work. Right. right. If you take Z- Zero to Hero, if you take uh uh One Last Hope, yeah. if you take um uh why am I blanking on her song, Meg's song uh, that I think don't is one say, of the best songs. I won't say I'm in love. Yeah, I won't say I'm in love. Thank you. I the blank. Best song in the yeah, world. it's like it's it's like all of them. You take them out, and the they are revealing. The story doesn't right. work. Yeah, 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 I agree. It's it's it's. Uh, we talked about how how the songs reveal stuff about characters, and and in Disney terms or musical theater terms, it's like go the distance is the I want song. Right, exactly. It's the I want this thing. It's the setting that up. Yeah, and yeah. with Meg's, like I think Meg's is a little. If you're looking at say even Disney stuff, but like kind of musical musicals uh, in a way, is that Meg's song. Uh, is is later on later in the story than what it would be probably in like a show maybe because it's pretty late into the movie it is it is it's it's very much like because it's kind of the in in story structure terms it's kind of the, that's kind of what happens usually i don't want to go too technical with this uh it's the romance sequence yeah. usually what happens after the middle, middle of the movie if it's a romance of some kind that romance sequence comes after right after the midpoint and that's where you're gonna see your two kind of your right. your two love romant, romantic characters you're gonna see them fall in love in that sequence right and this um, doesn't necessarily follow that same pattern no it's like you still have that romance sequence but it's still like this might be the issue a little bit too it's like i don't know if you have a lot of moments with them beforehand literally i think they're like they have the opening sequence where she's like fighting nessus and then like literally mm-hmm. we don't see them together in a scene until the end of the second act <laughs> like you know so i do think um it's somewhat yeah you know, like you you see her she pops up when like she says like oh there's kids they're trapped and that's kind of the the big yeah. that's the hydra battle because that's she's doing kind of hades deeds but i also i feel like that's kind of 
showing you exactly how they're using music in Hercules. It's not necessarily like so. Something that you and Thomas actually said in the first episode of your of this month is that you know music is kind of the characters like emotional like when they can't when they have so much emotion inside that they can no longer hold that in and they just kind of like burst out into song and like that's kind of where we're coming from and we're moving it along. I think mm-hmm. in some ways Hercules does that, but I actually think Hercules uses it more to move the plot along more so than necessarily like character development like I don't always think that these are like I mean I I do think that these are like uh, extreme emotions and that that is what's like motivating the song ultimately but in so many ways they're also using it to move the story and move the plot along. That's true Um, because now when when I think about that and you say that it's like Go the Distance is a montage song. It's him traveling. Exactly. It's him traveling to go to go see the like the the uh, kind of uh, shrine or whatever to, to Zeus. And then even with One Last Hope, it's a training montage. And then, and then all the Muses songs are very similar. It's it's the like, right. oh, Herc, Herc's become popular now. Yeah. Everyone loves exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. And like even the intro song is like, let me tell you how we got here. Like, let me tell you how we yeah. got to this place. And so I think yeah. in many ways, like, it, and I think in some ways, like, this is a new way that musicals like that you qualify for the musical genre is it's not just an expression of the characters like innermost emotion i think that it also in some ways has to move the plot along so either and or 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 one or the two but you know what i mean like and i think for this one it's kind of both you know i think it it definitely it shows those innermost feelings and emotions but it's also helping move the plot along in the story yeah I, i agree with that um so let's dive into the history of how this got made before we discuss more of that yeah, with sure. these, these later sections. So as I said earlier, it's the, the first film in the Disney Renaissance period was Little Mermaid, and directors of that film were John Musker and Ron Clements. Uh, they served as the directors for that smash hit. After that film's success, they went on to direct Aladdin, another smash hit. And for their follow-up project to Aladdin, they wanted to do their futuristic take on the famous novel Treasure Island, which they would call Treasure Planet. Uh, They began developing it in 1992, but in 1993, it was taken off the development slate at Disney. Chairman of Walt Disney Studios, Jeffrey Katzenberg, was not a fan of Treasure Planet. Uh, He told Musker and Clements if they could do just one more hit movie that, like, was a massive hit, then... He would let them do Treasure Planet for the company. Interesting. A very big, very big ask. No, very simple ask, actually. Just another big <laughs> Just another hit that's bigger than Little Mermaid and bigger Latin. than Aladdin. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, also, in 1992, Disney had several uh, other animators and artists pitch ideas for future projects. One of the first pitches was an adaptation of the Odyssey, which was quickly put in development by Disney. Uh, but they soon realized that the Greek epic would not work as a musical comedy. Uh, <laughs> animator Joe Hader uh, was wanting to pitch a project that involved Greek mythology, but he worried that it would be, wouldn't be accepted because of the troubles with the Odyssey project. Uh, so he put, together, he put together a quick pitch for an adaptation of Hercules set during the Trojan War. Uh, Disney liked the pitch and approved it for development, but Hader did not move forward with the project. That was the last thing he did was he just wrote a one and a half page outline, did some sketches of Hercules, and that's all he did for the project. Peace out, y'all. So, yeah, that that they didn't want. I don't know if they didn't want him. I think it was just kind of they put it in their hall of development, like just in their in the, in their thing. It was just it was like okay, we have that that they could do if we ever want to do yeah. it. So so after Musker and Clements. Uh, struck the deal to direct one more picture for Katzenberg before Treasure Planet, they began looking at some of Disney's projects in development. They looked at over 30 projects that Disney wow. had in development at the time. Yeah. Uh, 
they turned down such projects like an adaptation of Don Quixote, uh, Around the World in 80 Days, and also the uh, Odyssey Project. Wow. Um, However, once they caught wind that there was a project for Hercules buried in the halls of Disney, uh, Musker and Clement said they wanted to do that. John Musker said they took on that project because we thought it would be an opportunity to do a superhero movie. Uh, he also stated they were huge <laughs> comic book fans, and the studio wanted them to do a project, so they decided to do that one. Uh, so yeah, very superhero, as we said. Uh, yeah. While developing the project, Musker and Clements looked to old Hollywood screwball comedies for inspiration for the characters, specifically the works of Preston Sturgis and Frank Capra. They said they saw Hercules as a Jimmy Stewart-type character and compared him to his character in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And for the character of Meg, they looked to inspiration. Uh, they looked to Barbara Stanwyck for inspiration uh, for her old films. Uh, while also researching the era of Greek mythology, they began to see Hercules as the Michael Jordan of his era. <laughs> uh, because That's what they said. Because his popularity in the culture was very similar to athletes and celebrities in the modern world. Yeah. Which is why I think you see all these like merchandise yeah, things the at that one point in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very. That makes sense. That checks out. There were several writers that were brought into this project to help create a script for Hercules. Uh, Musker and Clements are credited with the screenplay along with three other writers Irene Meshi. I apologize if I mispronounced that name, Irene. Uh, I know you're a big <laughs> fan of the show. Uh, Bob Shaw and uh, Donald, Donald McHenry. They also, I don't know who, like, what the story by credit was for this, like, in terms of, like, what they all did, but they are one. Twelve people that There's get story so by credit on this so many people on this, on this movie, yeah. Which is insane. And I don't know if that's, I don't know, that doesn't seem like the usual. Yeah, that seems um, excessive. Uh, they soon began casting the film once the story was being worked on. They cast Danny DeVito for Phil, who actually initially declined the role. Because they asked him to audition for it, and he was like, no. It's like, I'm Danny DeVito. I'm not auditioning for this yeah. role. I was clearly made yeah. for it. What are you talking yeah, about? So they, they went to a lot of different people doing auditions, and then they're like, let's just go back to Danny DeVito. They cast Tate Donovan for Hercules. Uh, for Meg, the part went to Susan Egan. Egan had auditioned for every Disney animated feature since Beauty and the Beast, but never landed a role. Wow. Uh, however, she was the first actress to originate the role of Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. She was. I did know that, actually, before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when she found out about the project, she actively pursued the role of Meg, but Alan Menken told her she wasn't right for the part. Uh, he said the female leading Hercules was supposed to be the cynical smartass, sounding nothing, like, nothing at all like sweet, innocent Belle. But Egan still fought for the role, and Meekin eventually relented and allowed her to audition for Meg. And she was perfect, so forget yeah. all of you. Wow. <laughs> so she had to, like, I read, so she had to, like, do an audition with, like, with Minkin, the musical director, and, like, the filmmakers. And she was, like, I was standing in a room in front of a microphone. And, like, okay, you can start now. Like, start singing. Yeah. And she's, like, or start talking. And she's, like, the, everyone just starts looking down at the table. So they're all looking at the storyboards of Hercules. So no one's looking at her. Oh, so they were just all, trying to like, get the sound of her yeah. voice and like see if it and works. And see like, yeah. oh, could she work? Yeah. So yeah. It, it, would, it would be nine months following her audition before she finally <gasps> landed the role of Meg. How stressful is that? Oh my yeah. gosh. As, as, a former perform- as a former performer, that is horrible. <laughs> and as someone who recently went through job searches, like that is horrible. Yeah. absolutely terrible 
nine nine months, and apparently I think they were they were either animating with her voice the entire time from that audition or something. She's like, yeah, there were no callbacks. You just did it that one time. Oh my and god! Like, they never heard anything. Um, but the hardest character to cast for the film was the film's villain, Hades. And I usually bring this up later in alternate universe cast, but I'll bring it up here because it's actually a big a big point. And the making of this movie. Uh, after DeVito was finally cast, he asked Musker and Clements who they had in mind for Hades. And DeVito's like, you should get my buddy Jack Nicholson. Uh, they offered Nicholson the role. He was going to be paid $500,000. Wow. His, ca- his counter offer was he wanted 10 to $15 million What? Plus, yeah, he was Jack Nicholson. He's kind of like, he's he's Jack Nicholson. This, this is like... I guess 95? I mean that does I mean that does make sense. Like that's not an un- insane amount to be honest for like you those think, type like, this big is like names. Nine, but yeah, I'm just thinking like animation. Like I don't know how yeah. much an animation budget is, but there's one more big thing afterwards so that's going to be the kicker. So and this is like ninety. This is probably ninety four, ninety five. I think ninety four. Okay. Because the timing of this is odd, but I think it's ninety four. So he's a, he's huge at this point. Right. He also asked. For a fifty percent cut of all Hades merchandise sold. What? That's <laughs> no. That's stupid. You are kidding me. And Disney was like, "We're not going to do that." No. So they, they gave him. They gave him another offer, and he passed on it. Uh, good the next riddance. Person they, no offense. What a great actor, but good riddance. <laughs> that's insane. The next person they went to and cast, by the way, was John Lithgow. I could see that. John Lithgow spent almost a year working on the project voicing the character it sounds like before musker and clements realized that he wasn't working for the project oh no and it sounds like musker and clements were just like auditioning people left and right like big stars for this role of hades and no one was working uh and that's when they invited oscar nominated actor james woods to read for the role and they were completely surprised by his interpretation because the character it's what they had written was like a darker character with the like more a, a slow line delivery, like not this fast paced like car salesman oh, character. Yeah, yeah. And they were just like, "Whoa, what is this?" And so Woods was hired in October 1995. He was perfect. Yeah, yeah. James James Woods, very questionable character nowadays for some people. Yeah, yeah. Understandably yeah. so, but I feel like we say reason, that in every episode. A lot of people, with at least yeah. one of the actors, were like, "This person yeah. is probably super questionable." Yeah, trust me. Jeez, someone you love. Probably terrible. Yeah. Um, it, it is probably his best best role in his entire career. It's, yeah, um, it's really good. <laughs> so so that's how this kind of got made. So let's dive into favorite scenes. So give me, what, what's one of your favorite scenes in this movie? So um, I have several, but I think my, like just off the top of my head, like the first one that I would go to is Go the Distance. I yeah. love this entire sequence. I love the art I love the colors in this movie. They're so vibrant and fun. And I thought that Go the Distance was such a a great song and an awesome scene. I loved the like the sea and the woods and the mountains. And um there's this the shot at the end when Herc is like so tiny and he's walking mm-hmm. into like the temple of Zeus. And uh, you know, just like I love that shot of like just this like here we are with this hero who's he's just embarking on this journey and there's so much out there for him and you know, and also this connection to like the world and you know the gods and stuff. And so I just I loved that. 
Um, and to this mm-hmm. day, the the when he sings the fearless, proud and strong, I just like I lose it. Like I'm just like, oh, I love that. Like it's just so beautiful, and um, I, I, it like gives me chills every time I watch it. I, I love that sequence. Yeah, that's one. That's one that always sticks out in my mind uh, as well. And again, it's that it's that I want song. Yeah. It's, I feel like every I think. One thing that Disney does at this point is that they know how to, like they they realize we gotta do a good I want song. Right. It's the yeah. Yeah. it's part of your world in um Yes in Little Mermaid. Um it's it's like there's always some that they really kind of like I just can't wait to be era. king in, in yeah, like Lion King, a totally different yeah. vibe, but still like that, like it was fun, it was punchy, but I mean go the distance in and part of your world. I love that comparison because it is it like it's like that moment that you're like, ugh, instant classic. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's it's usually like I mean I know Howard Ashman talks about how like, usually it's the it's the it's the female character who talks about how like in a in a in a in a musical like the the second or third song in the move or in the, in the show is when like the character sits down and says like this is what I want right yeah and the com- comparison I think in where him was like Little Shop of Horrors it's somewhere that's green yeah that's where a great Audrey song sits, yeah. sits sits down basically like, this is what I I want to li- I want to have this life right um and and part of your war- world is kind of the like one to one with that but go the distance is also that as well is that he he is I'm looking for a pl- I'm looking like. Where do I fit in this world? Right. That's the whole thing. And I think it was so relatable to like, I think that's, that's that those lyrics are, I think mm-hmm. is any kid who has ever felt weird or different or, I mean, I felt that I, I'm the mm-hmm. definition of that. And so, you know, I, I just, I love that he, he's looking for it. He knows that this is not right. And he's trying to find that thing that will, that will make him feel like he belongs. And I loved that. You know, I, I really resonate with that. And I think I resonated yeah. with it as a kid. I am on my way. I can go the distance. I don't care how far. Somehow I'll be strong. I know every mile will be worth my while. I would go I think the animation style is 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 unique and kind of feels it almost feels different than the rest of like the Disney catalog at the time in a way. Oh, it's like it's definitely different. Yeah. Like the the big one is like the Hydra sequence yeah. is like insane. Um, with kind of ha- and even just the Hades like the way Hades is st- is a uh, it's is a lot animated. of harsh lines instead of that like rounded yes. look. I mean, I was reading somewhere like I think that um they were inspired by George Scarf, I believe, who is yes. an a cartoonist, um, an English cartoonist, and I'm so glad that they and he actually worked on the project like he submitted like drawings and stuff for this project, and I'm so glad they went with that because I think this was a. I think one of the things that they established really well with Hercules is that, um, you know, in uh, in other in other Disney movies, like all a lot of Disney movies are based on like classic fables and stories. Right. And um, but they really it's almost like a let me tell you, like all the ways in which this could be real. And I, they want to make it really realistic and, and believable and, and, and you know, relatable. In this mm-hmm. one, I felt like there was almost an intentional uh, they wanted the artwork to seem like it was something different like it was it like yeah. here's a retelling of this classic story rather than being like yeah. here's a disney movie where we're going to reimagine this story it's like we're going to put our own disney spin on this very classic story and i thought that was really cool and the art really set it apart 
Yeah, Scarf, I'm reading right now. He's, he conducted minimal research, not wanting to be influenced by other interpretations. And he sent 32 sketches via, via fax machine or courier uh, and produced over 700 drawings throughout the production. Um. So and basically, he is. I think he's like listed in the in the movie as like production designer. Yeah, which is an odd thing. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah, but he, yeah. But that's but that's like it's kind of like here's what I'm thinking, <laughs> and everyone else like cool. We're gonna animate based on that. Yeah. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And I also like read somewhere that there was a lot about like um like they were really inspired by actual like Greek pottery and stuff. Um, yeah. And I thought that was like really clear and evident in in the in the drawing style of the animators. I think like again it it looks like it it is like almost like it came right off of pottery and it's like coming to life you know what i mean which i loved which actually kind of leads into another one of my favorite scenes are can i yeah uh i i also really liked the opening sequence with the classic retelling yeah. of the titan story on the pottery and so i thought that was a nice way of kind of sh- of uh showing us that this movie was going to be a little bit different and helping us place that, you know, there've been a lot of movies, um, just, you know, that have done this type of thing where they do something a little bit different to tell a story or do whatever the, the one that comes to mind, um, you know, JK Rowling, super problematic. Uh, but you know, she, uh, you know, uh, but in Harry Potter, when they do the telling of the beetle and the bard, um, and mm-hmm. they do the animated sequence and everything. And it's kind of the like light box animation. Like it's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, and that's kind of what this like really, like, it reminded me of that. And some other, other films have done that as well, where, you know, they, they use kind of a, um, this, yeah, I just, I really liked that. I really liked what they did. Yeah. I mean, that opening sequence, like, I mean, it starts off, it's it's, it's Charlton Heston that's doing the opening voice originally of, of the like. Interesting. Tell tell the tale tell of Hercules the tale or whatever he's yeah. saying, yeah. And, and then like the muses Lighten come up, in and dude. You get, that's what that yeah. You get you you get this idea. It's good, this is gonna be a fun movie. It's yeah, kind of harking exactly. back to what you said earlier. Like this is a this is not your typical uh, Greek uh, mythology adaptation or historical piece. This is a it's gonna be a fun, uh, lively, energetic right. And they and the muses kind of really push that along the entire time. Agreed. And you still have this like classic chorus, this like, you know, like you have the classic chorus who's gonna tell us the story and kind of narrate and like start us off and like, you know, whatever, but we're gonna do it in our own way. And I really enjoyed that. I also thought it was interesting that they chose gospel because I think um similarly to how we were talking about uh Michael Jordan, about how like they they were comparing uh-huh. Hercules to like Michael Jordan and the and the athletes of the day. I think the other yeah. thing that they did with the gospel was they tried to tell us hey as a reminder this was a religion like people worshipped these guys you know what I mean like I think that that was kind of a um, I don't know if that was intentional or not but I definitely thought that was like a really interesting thing like you know to remind us that these guys were gods and they're they're real like Somebody thought they were like real gods, you know. I'm gonna drop this now. You're you're gonna you're gonna be very surprised about who the original choices for the muse muses were. Really? Because it's very very different. Oh who were they? (laughs) Very different. I'll say it later in Alternate Universe Canon. <laughs> oh, you're gonna. So you got, you got to stay tuned, guys. Uh, stay tuned. No, you, no, the muses like I, again. It remind again. They are this Greek chorus, yeah. literally. Um, and it is. I, I compare this. I keep going back to the Howard Ashman, Alan Menken stuff because you have that in Little Shop of Horrors. You have this Greek chorus right. that goes yeah. throughout the mute movie, and it feels like there's similarities here in that structure. Of like the, the muses are like telling us through the story. Right, it's the right. zero to hero. It's it's very it's and they're and but they even what's so interesting about them, they are observers, they're telling you the story, but they also become 
active participants uh, in the story yeah. as, as well as well for I won't say I'm in love. Like right. they become they become her actual chorus that she's singing with. Yeah. Uh, in that sequence. And I think in Little Shop, like one of the things I like about Little Shop is that like they're emotionally invested in these characters. And it's the same thing here in Hercules. Right. Like they're almost yeah. kind of cueing the audience of like, here's how you're supposed to like not here's how you're supposed to feel, but like you know, like setting the tone for how you're supposed to feel and what this is supposed to convey or this song or this part in the story. Like, and I liked that. You know what I mean? Bless my soul. Kirk was on a road. Person of the week in every Greek opinion poll. What a pro. Kirk puts off a show. Boy, no matter monster and you're talking SRO. He was a no one. A zero, zero. Now he's a I said, I love that song. I won't say I'm in love. I think it's like, it, again, as I said, there's very few songs in here, but everyone kind everyone kind of gets one. Yeah. At least. Yeah, yeah. Except, except Hades. Apparently. I mean, I'll say that for later, but yeah, except Hades. Um, but yeah, I won't say I'm in love is a great song. Uh, and it's a great sequence. Uh, is that I, one of but, your favorite scenes? Yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes. I mean, I feel like, I feel like every song in this movie is going to be a favorite scene is the thing. Like every, yeah, every like, song is go great. the distance. Yeah. I think I Won't Say I'm In Love. I think Zero to Hero is one. I oh, think I love Hope. Zero to Hero. But I want to go back to I Won't Say I'm In Love. So that's one of your favorite sequences. That's one of your favorite scenes. Yeah. Did yeah. Did you catch being a massive Disney fan yourself? Disney, oh well, Disneyland, Disney World here. The parks, did you did you see the reference that they made? I mean, no. The, <laughs> I don't know. I don't re- it's the Haunted reference. Mansion. I was, the, I was, that's, the what, that's what I thought yeah, you were thinking yeah. of. Yeah. They become they become uh like stone like stone, yeah the bus uh, at the end statue, of haunted mansion bust, yeah. yeah that's intentional yeah, yeah. they're supposed to be the haunted mansion okay yeah well, isn't that fun it works it works <laughs> I I just I love that part of the I love that anyways okay yeah no yeah no it's it's a great sequence um I think Susan Egan's great uh in this role um she really not just the song but also performance wise like throughout the movie. In terms of like I, I said earlier, I think she's probably the more complex character. I agree. Because here's yeah. the thing: like, like Hercules, the structure of this movie doesn't make sense for Hercules' character because Hercules doesn't really have much of an arc. Um, he's just kind of there. Like he becomes a hero. I don't know. He well, he bec- here's the thing: what's his want? It's like his want is to his want find where find where he belongs to be accepted very broad very broad you're not wrong uh, you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> very broad uh and then it becomes like and then within after he goes off and does go the distance then it becomes like you're gonna become a hero hercules so now he's gonna be a hero and he saves people and then he's like reaping the benefits of being a hero with all this like merch and this and you still don't know like what the want like what he wants in this um and then in the end, he like you have like because him and like him and Hades never really go against one another. Mm. They have like one scene together. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. like at the, at the Coliseum or wherever they're at when it's like, hey, sure. I'm Hades. There's no real battle royale between the two. Like it's really it's almost like a battle of wits. You yeah. know what I mean? Hercules. Is just, yeah. Hercules is just in his way. Hercules yeah. has no clue Hades exists until that it's moment. It's not really in time. a battle of wits because Herc isn't exactly I wouldn't call him a witty character, but no. you know. But like yeah. but, but like what Herc what Hercules is doing is he's completely unaware. Yeah, he's a little bit absent. of what Hades is doing. Yeah. yeah. 
But the stronger story is it's Meg and Hades because they have this. There's actually there's stakes there. There, there, there there's actual stakes there. Stakes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. You don't get there's the stakes sense. in their relationship. And I think too, some in some of this, this is like a problem of the story of Hercules, less the problem of the story of like Hercules 1997. Is like you know, I think a lot of times these stories about these gods. I mean, half like it's morality, right? It's teaching us things. We're supposed to learn from these kinds of stories, yeah. and so you know, I, it's not always there's not always a direct like want in these types of things. You know what I mean? Um, so I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm speaking broadly. I'm speaking broadly. <laughs> I can see your face, but I mean, like, I feel like with Hercules, like that's one of the things that it struggles to find is like, how did we, how should we have upped the stakes? Cause really, and truthfully, why do we care if he becomes a God or not? Like, you know what I mean? Like he's a good dude. Yeah. Like, you know, we want him to be successful, but like, what are we really rooting for? There's not, there's not a ton there. You know, that's yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like it, that's what but I think with her, it's like she's fighting to get away from Hades. Right. Um, and then she's also a character who's like she's cynical. She doesn't trust anyone. And then she makes this sacrifice at the end to save him. So character arc wise, she has a stronger character arc. And he's just like. Oh, I'm in love with her. I gotta go to, I gotta go to the underworld and save and her. And it's really not like, until the third act that we have stakes for Hercules. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it, it's almost like we're introduced to his, the biggest conflict and the biggest obstacle at the beginning of like the third act, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, we don't really know like, what does he want? And like, again, like, to go, to, to say go into Potter, since you brought it up, it's like, I think that's kind of a, a really good example of, antagonist versus protagonist is it the inciting incident there is that like uh uh Voldemort kills uh, Harry's parents and so you know they're the ending climax of this story for them they're gonna have to fight right that's yeah. gonna have to happen you know uh, at the end of the day you know, these two yeah. people are gonna be in the same room and they're gonna come to yeah. fisticuffs and one of them's walking out yeah. <laughs> the winner and that's a very simple way to do it of like this is gonna happen they're gonna fight blah blah, blah. like Hercules and Hades. You're no. not really like, sure. Just, yeah. No. It's like even the end, it's like it's Hades versus Zeus mainly. Yeah. Like, and Hades loses. Well, and like Hercules is just kind of there. And it's interesting you should bring up Harry Potter, because I actually just realized this too. Like, Harry Potter literally starts off as a story about like an old man really pissed off at a baby. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like yeah. Hercules is the same way. Like essentially, same thing. it's like the same this thing. really like this older God who's like really mad that this baby exists and might I mean, foil his plans to like be the king, you know, the, the, the ruler of the world or whatever. So it's like, literally, it's, it's literally a very similar story, but yet somehow the stakes in Harry Potter are higher than in Hercules. I will give you that. Could, I will give you that. The, yeah. The, I think the structure is more clear. I think another example that this movie, I don't know if it, it it knowingly pulled from, but it's Sleeping Beauty as well. It's like this, like the opening of Hades showing up Mount Olympus is Maleficent showing, showing up, at, up at the at, at the birthday party at, at the at the birthday yeah. party, being like, "Yo, she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna prick her finger on a spinning wheel in 16 years." Yeah, so screw be, you, be ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's like, like so like Hades appearing is very much like that. Yeah, and so like it's it um this movie and I don't want to be too negative here, but it does feel like it's it's a it's a combination of several different stories happening at once is what I was we talking feel about like. favorite scenes. Uh, I know we, you should, you should listen to our cross universe thing where it just become like, here's why I don't like the one upside. I didn't uh, watch this or for this. No, month. it's okay. It's but, okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. It, this happens, but you have to talk about the, the flaws to it. But 
to go back go back to Meg as a complex character because I think she has the strongest arc and I think her stuff with Hades, her scenes with Hades are really are really good. Um, I think Susan Egan and James Woods have great chemistry voice wise, I guess, yeah. in the scenes yeah. they're in and and kind of the battles they have. I need somebody who can handle them as a man. Hey, I've sworn off manhandling. Well, you know, that's good because that's what got you into this jam in the first place, isn't it? You sold your soul to me to save your boyfriend's life. And how does this creep thank you? By running off of some babe. He hurt you real bad, didn't he, Meg, huh? Look, I learned my lesson, okay? Which is exactly why I got a feeling you're gonna leap at my new offer. You give me the key to bringing down Wonder Breath, and I give you the thing that you crave most in the entire cosmos, your freedom. <gasps> to go off the Meg and, and Haiti stuff, I think, I think Hades is like just a great character. Oh, he's phenomenal. Like, yeah. I, I think, like, I, I do think, uh, however questionable James Woods is, this is the best performance he's probably ever done. And I think he said this was his favorite role he's ever done, which yeah. is why he always does it anytime they need him to do it. Yeah. Um, he's like, sure, I'll, I'll come out and do Hades. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, so like, yeah, all the stuff that he has, it's the, it's him and the pain and panics like sequences. Um, that he's doing with uh, the, the, again, watching the Hydra moment when he's like watching from the stands um, and how they use again, with the animation, how they use the changing from blue to red to change his emotion when he's yeah. incredibly angry. Which um, I actually really love. Cause I don't know if you picked up on this, but blue flame is hotter than red flame. Like, or it's more uh-huh. controlled and whatever. Yeah. So I like that his anger makes him weaker. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting <laughs> choice. And I liked, and I wonder if that was a discussion. <laughs> I know. And I also wonder, yeah. like, I liked the intentional decision to make him blue instead of, like, red. Yeah. You know? Like, I just it makes wonder. Him, yeah, it makes him different. Yeah, it makes it unique in a way. I mean, it's a small section of the movie, but I like the underworld section, like the sequences yeah, in the film. Yeah, I do too. If it's, if, it's the, if it's the ending when he's trying to save Meg, when Hercules is trying to save Meg. You like making deals. Take me in Meg's place. Mm-hmm. The sun of my hated rival trapped forever in a river of death. Going once. Is there a downside to this? Going twice. Okay, 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 okay. You get her out. She goes. You stay. Oh, you know what slipped my mind? You'll be dead before you can get to her. That's not a problem, is it? Moving on to onset life, very brief, because this was not on set. This was animated film. But a few things. Uh, animation began in early 1995 with a team of around 700 artists, animators, and technicians in Burbank. Um, but they also did work in France at the Walt Disney Animation France section or whatever. Uh, they contributed nearly 10 minutes of animation, including the finale with the Titans and Hercules' descent into the underworld, to go with what we were just saying. Um, Andreas Deha, the super- supervising animator for Hercules, he worked on the. Uh, he ended up doing, I think, the the adult the adult Hercules sections, mm. he, the character he worked on, because animators tend to like pick right, a character, yeah, yeah. as you know. Uh, they ended up working on a character or something of some kind, and, and they're the supervising um, editor said, or whatever for that one character. Yeah, animator, Yeah, yeah. And so he he said that uh, the animation crew he worked with to animate Hercules was the largest he ever worked with. Um, he had about four animators on his crew, but he had a team of 12 or 13 just for Hercules. Interesting. 
I wonder why that was. Was it just because it was so different than their normal, like, their normal I, look? I, don't, I like, guess so. I don't know. That's just interesting. Not sh- yeah. It was just very big. Uh, and may- maybe it's because it was Musker and Clements and, like, they've done these right, huge movies. Yeah. And it's like, we're giving you more money. Yeah. Because yeah. I think this budget this budget was, like, $85 million wow. for this film. It Which was huge. for a lot for an animated movie at that. Yeah. Yeah. At, in 97. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Deha originally was offered to do Hades because he'd only done villains previously, but he really he asked to animate Hercules instead. So that's kind of how some of the animation happened. Um, going on to Aftermath. Uh, so Disney began their marketing campaign in February of 1997. The movie didn't come out until June, by the way. Yeah. Uh, they had a five-month traveling promotional tour called disney's hercules mega mall tour wow the tour the tour visited 20 cities and actually started in atlanta georgia uh rad that's awesome almost matthew mcgonhead (laughs) yeah all right (laughs) all right Um, all right all right yeah no that's awesome (laughs) yeah disney had previously done this for pocahontas and hunchback of notre dame the tour had 11 attractions Including a multimedia stage show, <laughs> yeah. a miniature a, a miniature carousel themed to Baby Pegasus, a oh carnival of Hercules themed game booths, <laughs> and a ten minute animation workshop hosted by Andreas Deha, where where visitors would try their hand at drawing Hercules. Can I, for real quick, just say, <laughs> number one, this is giving me Disney Quest flashbacks. <laughs> Do you remember Disney Quest at Disney World? I'm- I remember Disney Quest, but I never went to Disney Quest. Oh my God. It was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> the day that they tore that thing down, I like, I celebrated. It was awful. It was like this age when Disney was like really like, like they were just trying way too hard to like, <laughs> I don't know what. It was just so awful. It was like dirty and it felt like a Chuck E. Cheese and it was just awful. And this is what that reminds me of. Like this is, this is giving me that vibe. That being said, all that being said, let's bring this back. If this were yes, bring- <laughs> if this were available today, I would go. So yeah. you know, uh, yeah. I just, I'm really disappointed that you never went to Disney Quest. That that'll be another conversation for a different day. I, I saw the previews on Disney Channel when I was growing up. Oh, um, yeah. It was like when Disney was obsessed with like you know, getting in on the video games. On the video like, game world. Ooh, we're yeah, going to yeah. get into the video games. Yeah, you know? this also had a video game. That yeah, was a big part yeah, of it, it too. Yeah, it was like, calm um, down, calm down. <laughs> the premiere of the film, they had a Hercules-led performance of Disneyland's Main Street Electrical Parade held in Times Square. Oh my God, what a dream. But what I a dream. I, my, buddy, my buddy, I think, went to it. He, he's, he's from oh. New York. Oh um, my God, I'm majorly jealous. That part is of amazing. It, yeah, that, the Parade of Electrified Floats, which was broadcast live on Disney Channel as part of a program involving the making of Hercules. Uh, sev- many New Yorkers, it seemed, were not happy with this, however. I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> local union president, Tony Capitano, who complained, saying, I think the mayor gave away the city to Disneyland tonight. Um, <laughs> and 5,000 businesses and residences felt unusually eerie upon being asked to dim their lights as the parade passed. <laughs> Uh, additionally, the film additionally the film had a marketing campaign with promotional tie-ins with 85 licensees, including McDonald's, Mattel, N- Nestle, and Hallmark. You know what plates I still have? Hercules plates. Those are, <laughs> it was like Grecian plates or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, we. Uh, my mom and dad still have them. We ha- I think the only one that made it through uh, my childhood was Meg. I'm pretty sure. 
I, we might still have the Pegasus one that was, it was like pink. I feel like I might still have the, I, well, I don't know if I, I don't think I have those plates. I think I might have had those plates. Yeah. I mean. Oh, my friend Afton still has them. She has like all six of them or whatever. And she <laughs> has them in her house and uses them. And I love her for it. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Right. Her. Yeah. She's a dream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The film was finally released nationwide on June 27th, 1997, where it was met with a positive reception from the majority of critics. Uh, the film currently sits at 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Many critics praised it for not being as serious or dark as the past two Disney films, yeah. Pocahontas and Hunchback of Notre Dame. Many saw it as an improvement. Um I know uh, Ebert gave it three and a half out of four. Yeah, Ebert I, like liked yeah. this movie. Well, he, yeah, he but he also loved Hunchback. He gave Hunchback four yeah. out of four. Wow, like, he was a big he was a big Disney Renaissance guy. Loved being the yeah. Beast. Uh, Gene Siskel, his uh, his partner, however, Did not on the show, like it. was not a fan. <laughs> Hated it. Said it was not, not a classic at all. Yeah, <laughs> no one not, would remember it. Well, let me find this. There was a part where I think they actually used. Uh, Promotional hat, yeah. Promotional ads featuring uh, featuring Haiti saying two thumbs way way up. Uh, Ebert and Siskel complained, pointing out that the two thumbs up is a phrase they invented and trademarked by them. What? Uh, and it, and the use of it implied that they had given it two thumbs up when only Ebert gave it a favorable review. Um, uh, Siskel quipped, "They ought to make it two thumbs down." Wow, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, but you can like parody stuff in films, like you can reference that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Like, I mean, there's so I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just, maybe in the promotional, they were mad about it being used in the promotional yeah, it was, it was stuff. In the, it was in the ads. All it right, in the ads. so maybe that, yeah, e- yeah. Ebert thought the ad was misleading and unfair and asked the line be removed, which it was. Interesting. So apparently it said like two okay. thumbs way up for, for Haiti saying that. Um, That's hilarious. So even though it was liked by critics, the film had a, and it had a decent box office showing Hercules actually underperformed compared to previous Disney animated films. Out of the films during the Disney Renaissance period, excluding Rescuers Down Under, which is like at the beginning and kind of, it, it really tanked, Hercules is actually the lowest grossing movie of that period. I'm not surprised by that. Only making $252 million worldwide at the box office. It was also the only Disney uh, animated film of that time that did not gross over $100 million at the U.S. box office interesting it grossed 99 <laughs> right at it, it was so close right there so, so close. close my dad and i actually talked about that when i told him yeah. i was doing the hercules when we, that we were doing hercules we actually talked about kind of maybe why it's because i personally think i'm not the only adult that i know no. who loves hercules and who fell in love with this movie later in life because i i mean i liked it in 1997 but i was not nearly it was not nearly my favorite adult I, obviously it wasn't my favorite adult disney film in 1997 yeah. but i mean like i think in so many ways like you know i think that disney renaissance films were being made really for children and adults yeah. like animation was still not something that was like adults weren't like going to see animated movies i think that you know so i think in some ways hercules was is becoming more popular again because it's really made for us now that we're grown up you know what i mean yeah it's yeah. a little bit more it's older you almost have to be a little bit older to understand all the nuanced humor and comedy which is one of the biggest parts about this movie so yeah well yeah. it's also it, it's really it's weirdly very 90s like oh, again, it's, it's super like 90s. the re- the references yeah. they make it's yeah. it's the i guess it's the air it's the air hercs or whatever 
Um, it's all that merch and stuff. It's a very um, 90s um, movie. Yeah. And I think now that we're all 30. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of I call it like a, 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 a millennial Disney movie is kind of what I think it is. It's like, it's like yeah. I, the people who really love it are like all people our age. Like, oh my yeah. God, I love Hercules. But you want to know what's interesting is I, hot take, am not a huge fan of Beauty and the Beast or Little Mermaid. And so, well, yeah. Well, you can just yeah. get off this podcast right I know, now. I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, like, I, I think probably I, uh, that's probably just one of those things. Like I was, I grew up on classic Disney, like Peter Pan, Jungle Book, like mm-hmm. 101 Dalmatians, like all this older stuff. And so like the Renaissance, like as a millennial, like I, I loved that stuff, but like, I don't really remember. And I asked my dad, I was like, was that me or was that y'all? Like, did you guys like not like the Renaissance stuff or like, did you like the older? And I don't know. I think it was a combination of both. I mean, I think that they really wanted me to watch the older stuff. And so I I did but I think it had such a so I don't know I, I don't I can't really speak to the millennial experience with yeah. this movie because I honestly don't think I my experience was quite the same you know yeah well, I, yeah I, ha- I have an older sister I think Little Mermaid was one I think she loved and I don't yeah. so that was one that was always kind of there me Beauty and the Beast I think is is a I'll just say is a masterpiece of, oh, it's beautiful. of, a, fi- of a film um not even just an anime film but as a film um but yeah it's it's I can see, but I will say this: like I looked at our list of uh, on Letterboxd, which is where that list of all those musicals are that you can go find. And like when you look at popularity, like Hercules, not too far behind Beauty and the Beast and those movies. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on of the to the uh, last thing of the aftermath because uh, we talked about how it has a big following nowadays. Last thing: the film would eventually receive one Oscar nomination for song for the song of the film "Go the Distance." Uh, but it would lose. Can Sad. you guess what what song it lost to in 1997? I'm trying to think. Uh, Toy Story. It's a big. It's a big one. No, no, no. It's a big one. Uh, was Toy Story 1996? Toy Story was 1996. 96. 96. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Was big. it another it was, animated movie? It was not an animated movie. It's a big one. Titanic. Probably the big. It was. It was the biggest. Yes, it was the Titanic song. So my it was. My on. heart will go on. Yeah. My okay. heart will go on. Beat it out. Uh. So there you go. So moving on to what worked. Amy, what worked about this movie? Comedy. Comedy (laughs) worked in this movie. The references worked in this movie. I loved it. I think that it only gets better. Like, I think one of the reasons I like Hercules is that to me, it doesn't really get old. Like, the more you learn about Greek, you know, history, the more you learn about, you know, I I just think like all the comedy and the references, like they just get better, you know? The the references to like Thebes is like New York or whatever. Yeah. Uh, The Chinese Grauman Theater, like all of those things. Like, I just thought that would be... I don't know. I just, I thought that was a, I liked, I liked all of those things about it. I thought that all worked really well for this film. We've said before, I think the songs work for what there are, for what are there. I think the songs really work. I think yeah, the casting sure. overall, I think the casting overall, and we haven't mentioned some of these names, but like Rip Torn, who plays Zeus, uh, Amanda Plummer, mm-hmm. who's one of the, uh, the fates. Um, who else do we have here? Oh yeah. Paul Schaefer, Paul Schaefer is Hermes. Wayne Knight. So Wayne Knight, uh, uh, um, from Seinfeld, and Jurassic Park and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, he, Newman and Seinfeld. He's, okay, uh, there we go. He's, now I know. Yeah. He, oh, he's, he's the he's, shop guy, the pottery. He's the sh- yeah, he's yeah, the yeah, pottery yeah. guy. Yeah, I, I was listening to that stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's him. That's Wayne Knight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then you got, you got like, Keith David um, from, 
I'm trying. He's been in so much stuff. If you saw him, I mean, he's. I'm so bad at this. You know that. Um, I know you are, but like Keith David, amazing actor. Oh, you know who's in this that I did really like, um, and I didn't even have to look this up. I'm so proud of myself. Jim Cummings is uh-huh. in this movie. He plays multiple people, and he was so funny. Um, yeah. The elderly Thebian that's like, um, that's like, that's it. I'm moving to Sparta. Like that's <laughs> yeah. Jim Cummings. That's the voice of Tigger. Yeah. I also, I, we've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but like the animation and just that the the style. I love the color um, in this film. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of it's it's like a, a I don't know I, my friend who really likes Mary Blair would probably disagree with me but I think it kind of has a, a Mary Blair feel almost like with mm-hmm. all the vibrant colors and just like the use of those like rich tones and stuff like that I I think I loved it for that reason um, I just thought that was I don't know I I really appreciated the animation in this and the art um, no I agree I I I think I think the art I think the the design is is unique. I mean, I, I think when they're this Renaissance period, I feel like what I like about this and then like even Hunchback, which is right before this, I think both of them, both of them are movies that are very different with the rest of the films kind of of that era. Yeah. Did anything not work? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as much as it pains me to say, actually, it really doesn't because there's one thing that has bothered me for, okay. So I was on the podcast a few months ago and we talked about the Hoxian woman. And yeah. one of the things that I talked about in that, um, you know, I, I think I said last time I'm worried about being too one note on your podcast about what doesn't work, but I think yeah. the female representation in this film is trash. Um, not necessarily trash, not necessarily trash. It's not horrible. Um, I think one of the reasons Meg has stood the test of time is because she is such a strong, powerful character. And I think she is, um, you know, she does have a lot of complexity. I do think she's fully fleshed, if not the most fully fleshed character in this film. So I'm not going to sit here and talk about it in the same sense that I usually talk about that. But I will say one of the things that didn't work for me was actually the way they drew Meg. It wasn't necessarily her character, or the writing, but the way that they drew her, you know, Ken Duncan, who uh, was the supervising editor, uh, excuse me, Ken Duncan, who was the supervising animator for Meg, um, was influenced by Greek pillars and pottery. And yeah, gross, right? (laughs) So like basically in his concept art, there's like these pots that are like stacked, like the pottery and like the waste is like tiny and like, you know, round, like all the in curves and... And I just like, it really, it, it, that comes across in the film, you know what I mean? And I yeah. think, you know, it, it's really gross. Like I remember in the scene when she's fighting Nessus, like the sexual undertones of that scene. And I mean, like we were talking about sexual favors in return for, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's what Hades had asked her to do. And like, you know, and she said no, basically. And, you know, like yeah. her whole, like even one of her first lines is like, you know, men like yes, me or no means yes. And, you know, like. I and get away from me means, means yeah, it's, take yeah. me. I'm yours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just I'll, not just go off that too, because I, I was noticing it more from what they do with Phil's character. Oh yeah. Because Phil's because Phil's because he he jumps in her lap at one point, like right after, like right yeah. in that scene. Yeah. Uh, he like, when when you first meet him, he's literally spying on women bathing. Yeah, he's in the, spying like, on lake. the nymphs. Yeah. Yeah, and on the nymphs like bathing is what it is, and that's when Hercules meets him. So yeah, that character's very, very problematic. Uh, last few things I want to mention. I, I've said previously. I think I think the structure's odd. I think the 
I wish there was more music, uh, even though it is, the songs are great. Um, yeah. Because it doesn't fully commit to being like a true movie musical, it feels like. I feel like uh, it's kind of like, okay. it's like, it's, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I think what well, we talked about it's at almost the beginning there. of the podcast, it's almost it there. moves the plot yeah. along. Like you can't have the, okay, anyways, go ahead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, it's like, you can't have your protagonist has one song. Yeah, okay, fair enough. One song. Fair enough. <laughs> and your villain doesn't have a song at all. And your villain doesn't have a song at all. Okay. And and then you. your 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 main female character also has one song. <laughs> so what you're saying is we shouldn't be talking about this movie at all. No, it's fine. No, no, it's fine. I, I mean, I, I think I think it's one that I, it's it's it's. I mean, Sean and I kind of talked about it a little bit. And this is a lot of Disney stuff. Sometimes I think once they got farther away from that early Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin type stuff, it's like they start pushing the boundaries a little bit, like what they don't have to do fully. Yeah, like sure, it's still, sure. It's still a it's still a movie musical. But it's not a full on like we're committing to it. I think mainly because if I had to guess, it's because it's Hercules. So they're thinking it's more of a male dominated story. We yeah. don't need as much music if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would say. Uh that's probably true, actually. I didn't think about that. Uh okay, on the universe cast, a lot of names here. Yeah. And we've already talked about some of them. I've talked about some of them. And some of them I'm I don't know if it's just like if this is like literally them just trying anyone. Or this is someone online who's like, here's names that were considered, but I have no clue. Some of these do make sense. Okay, so this is for sure. Hercules was Donny Osmond. They were looking at Donny Osmond yeah. for Hercules. And he later did singing voices. He did singing voice in Mulan a year later. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Danny DeVito originally declined, they look at they looked at people like Ed Asner for Phil. Interesting. Uh, Ernest Borgnine. Um, apparently, Pacino was a name tossed around. For Phil? Uh, for Phil. For Phil. Uh, yeah. Dan Aykroyd <laughs> was a name. All right. Steve Martin was a name. Okay. Uh, Hades. These were some of the names that were on there for when. So at, so it was like after Nicholson left, but also maybe after Lithgow was fired or something, let go. Uh, Michael Keaton was one. No. Uh, Willem Dafoe was one. No. David Bowie was one. Yes, always. Uh, Kevin Spacey was one. Unfortunately. That's a no for me, dog. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> uh, Martin Landau. Uh, Jerry Lewis was apparently talked about. And I think the one I saw popped up, Phil Hartman, which actually would make sense to me if Phil Hartman be in this one. The big one that, that, that I teased earlier, The Muses. Who do you think was originally approached to portray The Muses? Oh, I don't know. Um, 1997. I don't know any popular people in the 1990s and 1997 um i'll just tell you okay they were invited it. to they were invited to sing one song one of the songs and they were asked to portray the muses but they declined due to scheduling conflicts who was it the spice girls <laughs> wow i should have gotten that honestly very I different tone uh, but, very but different tone <laughs> girl band in the 1990s i should have gotten that but yeah that yeah. is hilarious and a de- definitely a different tone they went the right way they made the total right decision i think it works yeah, yeah uh film facts um hercules was the first disney on ice adaptation uh released or done before the film was actually released in theaters Let's see. Ricky Martin portrays Hercules in the Spanish dub of the film and on the soundtrack. I love that. It's also, okay, uh, it's also the first full-length Disney animated film since Auburn Company 1988 to feature the main villain who does not sing. Okay. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gaston sings. Ursula sings. Yeah. Everyone sings. 
Uh, oh yeah, computer animation was used in several scenes, predominantly the Hydra battle sequence, and you can tell. Mm. I think it looks great. Um, a lot of Woods' dialogue was ad-libbed, it said, uh, or a good bit of it. He went on to say that the, har- the animator who was doing Hades said the hardest part in animating Hades was that he talks too much and too fast. So much that it would take him two weeks to animate a one-second scene. Yeah. 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 And then with James Woods' Hercules, so the big thing, uh, he, anytime Disney needs him to praise the character for any cartoon show or video game, he has always agreed to do it. Cool. Uh, when this film was about, allegedly, when this film was about to go over budget, he offered to refund his salary and finish the film for free. What? And Disney decided against this and finished the film anyway. What a gem. At the time. At the time. Um, uh, At the time. He has portrayed the character seven times in video games, uh, mostly all Kingdom Hearts stuff. Um, the film also uh, would have a direct-to-video prequel, Hercules Zero to Hero, and an animated series, Hercules the Animated Series, which ran for 65 episodes and had most of the same cast in it except uh, DeVito and uh, Egan because it was a prequel series. It was like Hercules at like some academy or something. I think it was like Her- Hercules' training period was what it was, the series. Interesting. It ran for two years and 65 episodes. Uh, all right. Story questions. Do you have any story questions for this movie? Remind me. So story questions are like things that didn't what? get answered. Yeah. Like it's like, well, like, so my question would be like, Hercules stays on earth. Like what kind of life does he have when he stays on earth <laughs> with Meg? Oh, like yeah. they get married. They stay together. Like, okay. Um, to answer that question, <laughs> I think Meg realizes that Herc is kind of dumb. And <laughs> I think she's like, take some classes. I think she gets bored. Like, I'm feeling like Meg probably gets bored of Herc after a while. She might. But, I mean, maybe they have some marriage counseling led by one of the fates and things turn around for them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah. Let's see. Like, It's like, another question I have is like, does Phil open up his like own training academy? Like, is he like, like just, What happens to Phil? What yeah. happens to Phil? Is he just opening up his own like, like, like academy for people? Is it all downhill from here? Like, that was the highlight I, of his I, life. I think I think he become I think he becomes like Mickey and Rocky, where he just like has a renaissance of like training heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I think Phil opens an academy. Like I think yeah I think Herc and and uh and uh Mag are like having some troubles. Uh, like maybe maybe Herc goes up and visits his dad up in Mount Olympus for a little bit, kind of takes some time away, and she like yeah I don't know. <laughs> I also I also really hate that like Zeus and Hera. Who also, by the way, I really love the Disney Disney-fied Zeus and Hera because Hera's <laughs> definitely not Hercules' mom in the original Greek story. But oh, I, oh, I, know. oh, I know. They changed a lot. They, they changed, changed a, lot of, that. a lot of that to make sure that the married couple had the baby. But anyways, uh, my question is like, what? How does Hera and Zeus do they seek counseling for the fact that their child is now like literally actively chose to not be around them? Like, does Hera get to go home every I, now and then? I, does he I think he goes visit? home every now and then. He does get he to visits. go home. He goes. He, he's allowed to go to Olympus. I think so. Are you sure? He wasn't able. Well, I guess Meg was able to be in Olympus. Yeah, I thought he can. All right. All right. He, I, I guess he giving up. Does he give up his powers at the end? Like, yeah, he does. He well. Oh, I don't know. Wait. No, does I he think give he does. His, oh, this raises another story question. But more of like, I'm not sure how what happened in the story. Did Hercules lose his power and his status as a god, or just his status as a god? 
I think it's just as a god. Like, also, I mean, I I, we'll find out in the remake, the live action remake of Hercules. Uh, all right, awards. Um, the Paul Williams Paul Williams Music Award for favorite song of the film. Uh, what are you thinking? Go the distance. Yeah, I think it has to be that one. I think yeah. I, I think the song. I think I think uh, I won't say I'm in love as a strong second. I agree. Um, I also. But I think, won't confess how many hours I spent in my bedroom as a child singing that song into a hairbrush, but um, okay. but I still think it's go the distance. Also, you did. <laughs> I love your like reaction to that. Like you didn't laugh or anything. Like it was just sad. Like it was <laughs> like you were yeah. just you're just sad uh, for me, which which yeah. I appreciate. It it checks out. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> great. Thanks. <laughs> Not sure what that means. Let's talk <laughs> offline about that comment. No, I'm just kidding. It, che- it checks out. But uh, yeah. But go the distance. Anyways, I interrupted I, I, you. Yeah, I think I, I, I think it's like I think it's the one like true like movie musical song of like yeah. is go the distance. I think that one is just it, it, it it's it makes I mean it works for the the movie. It works for the character. No matter how I think conf- how confused the motivations get later on, I think that like it was clear. It sets it sets that character very well. Yeah, and the tone. It's the aftermath after that where it just gets a little unclear. Um, so yeah, go the distance. Paul Williams Music Award. Um, Beatrice Strait Award, Actor and Actress Limited Scenes That Kills It. This one is kind of hard for me because because um, this is different than supporting. Yeah, and um, I think for me it's probably the Fates. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with that. I like, yeah, I agree with you on that. I really that's, like yeah. the fates. I think there's that, like that joke that she made, like indoor plumbing. It's going to be big. It's going to be a big thing. It's going to be big. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I laughed so hard. Like, I just, that's I think like, it's so I think interesting. I think it's in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I liked all of their scenes and they were so creepy and like, well, um, drawn and developed yeah. and yeah, just really, I liked them. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the, it's the three sisters from Macbeth is what it is. What it is. Like, they're that's really, what it, yeah, they're really cool. Yeah. And they just, they were, yeah. they worked really well. Yeah. I agree with that. Nice I like, Macbeth I like reference. I'm well read. Wow. Uh, that was impressive. <laughs> Ladies, I am so sorry that I'm. Nate, we knew you would be. We know everything. Post, present, and future. Indoor plumbing. It's gonna be big. Great, great. Anyway, see, ladies, I was at this party and I lost track Wait, of you. Know. I know you know. All right, the Andy Potts X Factor Award supporting actor, actress that is the most memorable. Okay, I have a hard time determining before I say anything. <laughs> who are we considering supporting and who are we considering I mean, I, lead? My pick is James Woods for this. Okay, that would be mine as well. Despite yeah. the fact. Can you give an award to someone that's not a good person? I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Well, then he gets it. It happens. I mean, <laughs> just wait until my Gene Hackman MVP award too. Um, oh God. Because uh, no, I I, th- I feel like he's support. I mean, it's odd because he is in a lot of stuff. But like, I think he. I mean, I still think he's supporting actor in this. I don't think he would. I don't think he. You don't think he's a lead. I don't think he, I mean I mean it's 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 odd because like he is the antagonist. Yeah. Um like then then do we say like Susan uh, Susan Egan's the supporting character? Yeah, or like that's what lead? I'm saying like I don't know. And I feel like I feel like it would be hard for me cuz I really like Susan Egan too. I think she did a great job. So Okay, uh, we're going to do that. Okay. I'm fine with going Susan Egan, but I'm telling you right now I'm giving James Woods the MVP of the movie. Like <laughs> Yeah. I hate to say that. 
I know, no, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think that's what I would, that's what I would suggest, you know? Yeah, okay, so let's go with Susan Egan for Meg. Yeah. Uh, for, for Annie Potts' X Factor work, because I think she's great. I do, she, too. She, she comes in late in the film. She probably comes in, like, a, like at least a half hour into the movie uh, or more, but I think she is an integral part of the film, especially in the, the third act. Um, but she, I think she's great. So Susan Egan, Annie Potts' X Factor Award. No chance, no way, I won't say. Moving on, the Gene Hackman MVP award, person who carries the movie, director, actor. We can't. We we just said it. I think it's James Woods. Um, yeah. I think even in all the negative reviews I read, they're still just like, yeah, James Woods is really good in this movie. Yeah. Like every every everyone said this. Is the even Gene says yeah. was like the yeah, only yeah. good part. Only good part is is Hades. Yeah. That's it. Like it's like everyone's just like Hades is like it's a great villain. It's a different villain for like the Disney stuff. Cause like I said, it was supposed to just so different and fast talking and fun. You know, it was just like, yeah, I liked him a lot. Cause I, like I said, I read there, he was supposed to be like a more spooky, like slow talking character. And James Woods is like, no, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go like a mile a minute, like used car salesman. So I think, yeah, I think he wins it for that. Name is Hades. Lord of the dead. Hi, how you doing? Uh, not now, okay? Hey, hey, I only need a few seconds, and I'm a fast talker, all right? See, I've got this major deal in the works, a real estate venture, if you will. And Herc, your little W, may I call you Herc? You seem to be constantly getting in the way of it, You've got okay? the wrong guy. Hear me out, you little... Hear me out, okay? So I would be eternally grateful if you would just take a day off from this hero business of yours. Jeez, I mean, monsters, natural disasters, take away today, okay? You're out of your mind. Not so fast, because you see, I do have a little leverage you might want to know about it. All right, final questions. Who would you cast in my live-action remake? Go ahead and state. All right, so do you want all of them? Because straight up, you know I casted this entire musical. When I found out that there was going to be a live-action movie, I posted <laughs> all of these on Facebook like months ago. So I have changed a few of them since then. Um, <clears throat> who all do you want me to do? Uh, give me... I want you to give me... Phil, Hades, Meg, and Hercules. Phil, Hades, Meg, and Hercules. Really? Yeah. That's it? Because I have yeah. a great pain and panic, too. But well, okay. Give me pain and panic if that's, the, if that's the case. All right, we'll start with pain and panic, because I feel like you need to know. So pain is the red, shorter red one, and then panic is the tall one who's always freaking out. I said Josh Gad and Ben Schwartz. That checks out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would, make, that that would, would make be sense great, for right? Film. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. All right, they both have a Disney history already, you know. Yeah. All right, so now are we going with Phil? Yeah, go with Phil. Oh, uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Cop out, but okay. Don't, don't be mad at me, but he's literally the only person who could play this character. Cop out, yeah. Okay, you wanna, okay. You don't want to go with like, like Peter Dinklage or someone as Phil? Um, no, I want to go with Danny DeVito. Okay. I okay. stand by that he's the only one. How about since I should I do the muses since I did I already did the I copped out for Phil? Do the muses real quick, yeah. Okay. Alex Newell, Jennifer Hudson, okay. Beyonce, okay. Janelle Monet, and Anika Nani Rose. I was like, it's it's is you can I did it really the fast. Dream Girls, the Dream Girls cast is mostly <laughs> it's most of that. Not <laughs> three of them are, I believe. 
<laughs> okay, but still. <laughs> but am I wrong? No, I'm no, not that, wrong. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then let's see. Uh for who are we going with next? Meg? Go with Meg, yeah. Zendaya. That works. Yeah. 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 It yeah, does she can work. Sing. She can sing. Yeah, I was I'm I was like thinking a great show, but she can sing. Um Yeah. She's yeah, like also got that. that energy. She's got the intensity, the wit. Like she's smart. She's funny. Um, yeah. yeah, Zendaya definitely my choice. I like that. And then, um, so for Herc, I have Richard Madden. You know Richard oh. Madden? I know Richard Madden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Game of Thrones played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones. He's also in Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Um, I really. Oh, should I saved him for last? Sorry. I like my no, Hades pick better. So that's fine. No, no, Richard then, for, yeah. And then I also cast Gerard Butler as Zeus. Okay. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's very, uh, is he the, he's in how I train your dragon. He's the, he's the, the dad. dad. In how I train yeah. Your, yeah. And he's not, in, he's not in brave. Is he, or is he in brave? Uh, is he, I, the, I, is he the dad in brave? I'm no, like, is, is he the dad in brave as well? I don't think he is. He? I don't think he is, but like, I, no, he's not. Okay. No. Billy okay. Conley. Billy Conley. Okay. Is. Okay. And then my Hades, the man I always choose because he's the best, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't like Tom, it? No, no, I like Tom Hiddleston. That would make sense. I feel like uh, he'd be so good. I think he would do it differently for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he'd do the same as, as, as this Hades. I was going to say, I think he'd be quieter and a little more menacing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe? Yeah. Because I, I haven't seemed like a fast talking character um, really but I'm fine with that pick. I'm fine with that pick. I'm trying to think if there, if there any fast talking people that come to mind. Who would you pick? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn is your choice for this movie. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Okay. He 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 can deliver fast lines so well. He I'm can. Sorry. And like, between you and I, he is definitely one of my low key favorite actors. Okay, there you go. So I actually could see that. I love Vince. I love Vince Vaughn. I think he's funny. Yeah. He's really yeah. yeah. You're right. You're okay. right. That'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. It, I think it's yeah. I think it's solid. All right. Uh, does this film fit with any other genres? Sports film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sports film. Um, uh, animated, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a hero's journey. I don't know if there's like a yeah. genre that's like I think superhero hero's journey something like that. Yeah, you know? and he's, it's kind of an origin story. It's an origin, origin story. story. Of yeah. How does this film fit with the movie musical genre? It uses music to move the plot forward, and I think that's how it fits into the music, the movie musical genre. Yeah, I mean, I, I stated my opinion on it before. I don't think it fully commits to it. Um, but it is like it's there. It's like it's 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 lost. It's lost in the woods. Are you sure? Because here's the thing. This might be the thing we have to debate later. But I mean, I just like when you and Thomas were talking about like what makes a movie musical. Like you're talking about like music that moves a plot forward and mu- music that that showcases a, a character's underlying emotion. And I think Hercules does both of those things. You know, so I. I I know I, I agree with you. I agree. It has I mean, it, it is a movie musical, but I'm saying like I don't think it fully commits to we're doing like we're doing a full blown like movie music. musical animated film. All right, well that's that's my is, opinion. <laughs> there is a reason that this Renaissance Disney film was not turned into a Broadway musical. 
So, but it was, it was, was it, did you say that earlier in the podcast? It, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, but it, it was, it was turned into a stage adaptation, uh, in 2019 had a tryout and it didn't go anywhere. All right. Well, maybe there's a reason and maybe it's because you're right. <laughs> you know, you're usually yeah, it, right about these things, Brandon. So it, it doesn't have as much with the characters. It's a lot of it's more the muses is the thing in this movie, in this movie musical. That's fair. And that's that's rare in this type of genre to just have the side characters be the the the, uh, the music, driving force, the yeah, driving, the driving force. The force. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's it. That's all we have. All right. Hercules. How do you feel? Well, I feel like I'm going to go watch Hercules. (laughs) Again. Well, good luck with that. Maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) I'll probably watch something else. (laughs) I'm just not, I'm not going to lie. It'll probably be something else. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, But uh, yeah, so next week we'll be concluding our month of movie musicals. By diving into the career of Stanley Donnan, director of such films as On the Town, Charade, It's Always Fair Weather, and of course, Singing in the Rain. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Nation Podcast, now podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you write us a review on whatever platform you listen to the show on. These reviews really help us. We love hearing what you guys have to say, and uh, it, 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 it gives us a smile for the day uh, to see if you guys <laughs> like the show. Uh, and if you haven't already, make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Amy, as always, thank you for joining me again on this episode. Of course. And thank you all for listening. We have a listen more episodes soon. Bye.